Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. I'm thankful to have each and every one of you guys here with us. And can all of us at the Lakeland campus, can we give it up for everyone at our Highland Colony campus right now? We're so thankful that you could join us today. Uh, We always have such a great time at the 830 service. I know you're going to have a great time at the 10 o'clock. And can both campuses, can you help me welcome everyone watching on our online campus? Yes, I know we've got members watching all over the states and all over the world. We're so thankful to have you join us us. Uh, And today it's a little bit different, but I I think you're going to enjoy it. And I really pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And to kind of introduce this message, I think it's only fitting to break script because that's what we do so often here at Word of Life. And to go to a passage of scripture that they do not have pre-programmed in the screens. And they always love it when I do this. Uh, But let's go over to the book of Philippians today. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. And verse number 15. If you brought your Bibles, amazing. If you didn't bring your Bibles, that's okay. You can use your Bible app on your phone. And then hopefully at some point, even though it's not pre-programmed, they can get the scriptures on the screen. But if not, we'll be okay. Philippians chapter 2. Paul wrote this to the church at Philippi, a church that he helped plant and start. And he says this in verse number 15 that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither have I labored in vain. Holding forth the word of life. That is the origin of this church. Uh, That's why this church is called the Word of Life, is that we believe God wanted to create something in the world to shine as a light. Um, My father and mother started this church with the tagline, a family church with a world vision. I still love the simplicity of that tagline. And before I, I go any further in the message, this church... And my own father's Christianity would not be possible without my grandmother who is here today. And my grandmother uh, this week celebrated her 89th birthday. Come on, churches. Even at Highland Colony, I can hear you clapping. Like, that's amazing. Uh, But this woman uh, stood for her family and prayed her boys in. How many of you know, no matter what happens in the life of our children, God can work through the power of a praying parent. Uh, And my grandmother saw her son's life drifting off track, and my father got uh, hooked on drugs uh, and dropped out of high school, uh, but his mother kept praying. And he had an encounter with Jesus, surrendered to the Lord, got filled with God's Holy Spirit, And out of fellowshipping with the Lord, God planted a dream in his heart to start a church here. It started in Jackson, Mississippi in 1980. So we've been a church now for over 40 years. Uh, It started as a church in in 1980 with just a handful of people. 
Uh, at the end of two months, there were over 120 people who were worshiping at Word of Life, and it began to grow from there. And what we're asking is I really felt like uh, it is time for this church uh, to really go to another level, uh, that God has strategically positioned us with now two campuses on the best pieces of property in the whole state of Mississippi. Uh, that's the truth. Uh, and out of that, this was never anything that we asked for when my father bought this property here at Lakeland. Uh, it was beyond the realm of human comprehension that when he bought this in the late 90s, that Lakeland Drive would evolve into what it evolved into. Uh, we have so much acreage here. Most of it is still undeveloped. Um, and out of that, we got it all for right at a million dollars, and now the land alone appraises for like right at seven million. Like it's just the land, not the facility or any of those types of things. Um, and he got that by being led by the Spirit. Uh, now keep in mind, this was a guy who was a drug addict and a GED, uh, did not graduate high school. And how many of you know, if God did that for him, it's amazing what God can do for anyone who decides to yield to the Holy Spirit. Never allow your past to lie to you with the words you can't. With God, you always can. With God, all things are possible. And my father and mother surrendered to the work of the Holy Spirit, and God was able to build all of these things. And the question I always have, and even now, this time last year, a church was given to us on, on Highland Colony, and I was telling them every time I preach at that service live at the 8.30 at Highland Colony, and then I drive over here to Lakeland, and about 50% of the time, uh, it's actually starting to increase, not decrease. Uh, but about 50% of the time, I find myself in my car just crying, uh, tears of, of thankfulness, because I look at what God has placed in my hands and what God has asked us to steward as a church, and I'm amazed by it. And I want you to understand why, because I want you to be a part of it. And I don't want you to be a part of it because of how well I preach. And I don't want you to be a part of it just because our children's departments are state-of-the-art. And I don't want you to just be a part of it because you get blessed by the worship. And the reason why is at the end of all of this, when all of it burns up, because all of it will, even these facilities will burn up, when it all burns up, for the rest of time, you'll be hearing way better messages than I could ever preach to you on this stage. Uh, and you'll be hearing way, way better worship than even on at our best <laughs> at either campus. And it's amazing the quality of worship we have at both campuses. Can we give it up for our worship team? I mean, wow! Uh, but it will never be able to compare to the worship that we will experience for eternity. Um, and while all of those reasons are, are fitting reasons as to why you should join a church and be a part of it, uh, they had good worship, or I really get fed, uh, or they have great childcare. All of those are fitting reasons. Like we, we should really uh, have our children come into a place where the things of Christ are exciting. 
And we really should come to a church where while the speaker or pastor is preaching and communicating, that the Holy Spirit is talking. That's how you pick a church. Our, our one of the chief reasons is there's a voice of God in that place that when you take the time to get in it, watch it, sit in it, the Holy Spirit is able to say something to you above the talent of the speaker. Uh, that that's a, a fitting reason, and it's, it's fitting to join a church for all these reasons. But if you are a Christian, uh, this is not the highest reason. Uh, the highest reason is what should be a clarion call uh, that connects you and connects your heart to the fabric of the church in which you attend. This, and when I say clarion, I mean like this, this sense of I belong here, this sense of I should put my roots down here. And it's not just for what the church can give me in a selfish way. It is something I want to be a part of, something I feel a connection to. And one of the things that I have um, a little remorse over and regret is not leading with that strong enough. The why we exist as a church. The, the purpose as to why we are here. And today, I, I kind of want to course correct that. Um, and then for you to see that and to see if in your heart there is something that connects with you on that level that would maybe position you to be a part of what the Lord wants to do here. And then if not, hopefully you find that somewhere. Uh, but this is not Joel Sims Ministries. I'm not trying to be a celebrity preacher or pastor. Not that there's anything wrong with, with pastors being influencers, but that is not what I'm after. I am not trying to build something where I get invited to fill in the blanks church. In fact, I am trying to get more in the sands of Arabia than I am trying to get in anybody else's pulpit. Uh, what, what I am, am, feel called by God uh, to do is to build something that changes the landscape of heaven. Uh, that we understand as a, as a church that this is not our home. This is not for us. If you're a Christian, this is not for you. That this is something we serve in because heaven is our home. And these are ultimately machines and tools by which God gives us to reap the harvest in our community, uh, but also a harvest around the world. I believe intrinsically on a communal level uh, that God has called us to do several things. I believe that God has called us to be a multi-campus church. I believe we're just now stepping into that. Now we have a campus uh, across town. And I am so blessed to see the heart for that house of members engaging in that house and building up that house. Uh, we have hundreds of people who worship over there, uh, all making that place word of life and making that place something that is uniquely special. I believe that that's the first of several. Uh, I don't say many, and I don't say many for a reason. I believe that that's the first of several that God will do strategically 
in this state where we find our grace. And the reason for that is I believe that God has intrinsically designed us to be a lighthouse to the south um, and to showcase to the world how to lead with the kingdom of God. And when I say lead with the kingdom of God, I am talking about uh, one nation coming together with every type of background, every type of experience from every different race, from every different creed, and us coming in together to do something that we could never do apart. And out of that place of unity, I believe God is able to bless something with his power and that that unity would not just be represented in the congregation, but that unity would also be represented on the staff, and that unity would also be represented on the worship team, and that unity would also be represented on the leadership team, uh, that it is something where we are all coming together uh, to do something that we could never do apart, and to lead with that, to pattern that for churches all throughout this area. I also believe strategically that God has raised Word of Life up, uh, and especially in this season, to redig the wells of our fathers. In the context of what has happened from my perspective, and this is strictly my perspective, it is not thus saith the Lord, but what has is, is happened in the construct of, of what I am watching see happen is that the church world is walking through a season where, where we are, are diminishing the value of some of uh, the teachings that got us here. Um, that there is a, a really big sway over into really, really um, a fancy type of Christianity that is very polished, but at the same time, not a whole lot of people knowing about righteousness or how to be led by the Spirit or healing or how to stand in faith or basic Bible doctrine. Uh, and that we are called by God as a church to help redig those wells, uh, both in our services, but also through what I feel like God wants us to do online. Uh, what we're doing online, which is our, our third campus, uh, we're not near as good as we will be in five years from now. There will be online leadership and online Bible school and online those types of things to help dig some of these things out. And it'll all be free uh, and it'll all be uh, available to be accessed by anyone in the world at any time they want to be able to access it uh, and, and those types of things. So I, I'm very excited about that and I feel like in our community that will happen. I also feel like in our community for us, that God has called us at both of our campuses and our future campus to have world-class child care, that out of that our origin is a family church with a world vision, and that out of that we have strategically allocated our budget not just to give you a good space to worship in, but in fact more of our budget than ever before is going to our kids to give them a space to worship in because I'm not willing to lose our children to anything in the world. And if the world is going to invest in apps and things to try to get before our kids, how much more are we going to invest to establish the kingdom of God within our kids? Uh, and so we are, we're allocating things like that where we have an emphasis on the family and an emphasis on, on children and youth like never before uh, to fulfill that vision. 
I believe also God has called us as a church to have uh, worship that just literally leads people into the throne of God. And, and I really believe that on the, the cusp of what we're encountering as a church is a deeper move of the Spirit than our church has ever seen before. I believe that there's a breakthrough of things that are happening both naturally and supernaturally where the season is changing and out of that season, the beauty of God and the beauty of the Holy Spirit will flourish among our midst uh, in a way that is not labored or kick drummed into, uh, that it is something that is purely authentic and something that only heaven could bring us. So I'm excited about those things. I'm excited about what God has called us to do as a church here locally. Uh, that like never before locally, we are getting involved in all types of projects to increase uh, education and to help our educators and to come in with simple things like blood drives, which they're back out here today uh, to give uh, blood to our community and make sure that in Mississippi we have a good supply. Uh, and all those types of things, naturally taking care of that because somebody says, well, where does that fit into the construct of Christianity? My response to that would be everywhere, that whatever you've done unto the least of these, you have done unto Jesus. Uh, that when I give water to someone, which over this past week, over 2,000 families have received water who did not have water uh, because of your generosity of what you've done as a church, and it so blessed me uh, to see not only people give towards that, but it Bless me to see so many people give their time towards that to help pass out that water and get that water out into families who needed it. Uh, and over the next uh, couple of years, that will be fleshed out, that we have a whole facility downtown called the Life Poindexter that honestly has never reached the potential that the Lord showed me. Uh, but I believe it's under great leadership now, and we've staffed that in that way that, that a light is going to arise right in the center of the, our city, in the center of our state. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if right in the middle of that, God gives us a campus. And we have a campus just right in the middle of Jackson uh, with worship and with child care and with all those things like we enjoy in Highland Colony and Lakeland. So we, we see all of these things uh, beginning to flesh out of what God is going to do and is doing uh, uh, for us. Like these are things that are happening for us. Uh, that God is unlocking our child care and God is unlocking our worship and God is unlocking our revelation and the word will get deeper and the worship will get deeper and the child care will get better at all of our campuses. Uh, and that's what God is doing for us. But if that's the root of why you're joining this church, I have failed you as a pastor. Because at the end of the day, what church is supposed to be about is not about just God doing something for me, it's God doing something through me. And, and I want uh, everyone who feels like this is your home and this is where you belong to have this also being uh, a primary reason as to why you call Word of Life your home church. Uh, a number of years ago, I was pastoring, and the church had really turned the corner. Uh, for those of you who don't know the story, my father and mother started the church, pastored it all the way up to 2001. My father died of a heart attack at 44 years old, uh, and I became pastor of this church, started preaching at 18, officially the pastor at 19. And out of that, the church, under my exceptional leadership, 
decreased from 1,000 to 400. <laughs> and and uh, we encountered difficult times. Uh, but by the, the good hand of God and the call of God that was on our church, how many of you know if it's born of God, it overcomes the world? Uh, that one of the biggest things you should do is just get in your prayer closet until something gets birthed in you that's of God and not of lust of what we've seen on Instagram, of wanting something else in somebody else's race, uh, but instead running the race that is set before us. Because if it's born of God, you don't just have to push it. There's a pull on it. If it's born of God, that call will pull you through some things that you never could push yourself through. Faith will push a vision. The grace and the call of God will pull a vision. And when you can get push and pull operating at the same time, when you get force and flow operating together, you've got something special. Uh, and so the call of God pulled us through that tough season. And we got to the place where the, the church had, had grown, and I was very thankful to be raised by a father and mother who taught me that the world was a big, beautiful place to go into. Uh, when I was 12 years old, my father took me on my first mission trip uh, to Kenya, and I never will forget that trip. Uh, we flew on a 747. I thought that was just the coolest thing to fly on a plane that had two decks. Uh, and then we, our layover was in London, and we had like seven hours there uh, in London. So we got out of the airport and just walked around, you know, to wear off kind of jet lag. And we went to Buckingham Palace. Kid you not, the gates opened up, limos came out, the window rolled down. It was President Bill Clinton. I'm like, isn't this amazing? So like the whole trip was kind of like that. Then we flew over into Kenya, uh, and we're in Kenya. And we're there, and I'm seeing the world for the first time, and I'm seeing uh, people worship on the other side of the world, and it just gave me a sense of community, of how ever-present Christianity is, and, and how beautiful Christianity is, that, you know, communion and worship and these practices that we partake in, that literally all around the world, people are doing this together. And I remember my father telling me on that trip that you'll never have a heart for the world until you go see it. And I, I went and I saw the world and immediately I got, I got a heart for it. And when I started pastoring, we, we gave and we supported things. Uh, but there came a time where uh, I got tired and I noticed that pull was not as strong. There was a lot more push than pull. Uh, and I was getting tired of the pushing. And that's always something wrong because you've moved from the flesh or you move from the spirit to the flesh. That now instead of you being in the flow of God and finding favor and finding grace, now there's a, a force of the flesh and something's off if you're living that way. If there's more push than pull, something's wrong because faith should always be in grace. And so that's the push meeting the pull. Uh, and out of that, um, I noticed I'm doing a lot more pushing than pulling. And I, I took it up with the Lord. And I'm like, I know it's not on you. How many of you know it's never on God? Ever, ever. If something's wrong, it's never on God's end. Uh, and so I came to him. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And the Lord said, you're not resting. You're not practicing the principle of Sabbath. Uh, you're over in this place where you're leaning more on your flesh than you are the spirit. And you need to trust me. 
You need to learn how to rest. And so I booked a, a family vacation. I, I came to my staff. I'm like, look, I've never taken more than five days off. Uh, and I'm, I'm taking a week off. And for two Sundays, I'm not going to preach. And I, I thought, could the church ever survive me not being here for two Sundays? How much pride is that? Uh, so anyway, uh, I took two Sundays off. And I, it was the middle of summer. So I booked a vacation rental. I found one that was open on the beach. And I, that should have been a clue that if you can find a rental uh, in June uh, that is open, uh, you know, the day before you leave, uh, like there's probably something wrong with the rental. Uh, but I'm just, you know, trying to, to do it. So we go down there, and sure enough, it's like right in the middle of construction, and there's bugs and everything else. But it was close to the beach. Uh, so we made it to the beach, and I'm sitting out there, and I'm playing with my, my kids. And uh, out of this, uh, I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, and uh, the Lord begins to speak to me. And he said, you have been, uh, and he gave me the example of Moses and Joshua when God made water come from a rock and there's all this water there uh, and an enemy comes to take the territory. Moses goes up on top of the hill like he does the exact opposite of what you would want your leader to do. It's like, no, 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 no. Like I want my leader right here in the middle of the fight. But Moses goes to the top of the hill from a place of comfort and he stands above the, the battle scene, and he uplifts his power, his strength, and he sends his strength to Joshua's who are in the field. And this power hits those Joshua's who are in the field, but Moses is getting tired, and his hands begin to go down. So Aaron and her, who are part of the, the nation of Israel, see the connection. That when Moses is strong on the hill, Joshua is strong on the, the, the field, let us go help Moses. And so they come and grab Moses and they tell him to sit down and one gets on one hand, one side of him, the other one gets on the other side and they uplift his, his arms. And the, the kingdom, the kingdom of God wins that day. And the Lord speaks to my heart, and he says, you are Moses on the hill. I've given you strength. And I'm like, I can't argue with that God. At that time, we were just in this facility, uh, phase one. We, were, we hadn't built or constructed this, but the church was growing. I'm like, you have given me strength. And he's like, as long as you just use that strength to just have this comfort, you will have an ever-growing, diminishing strength. You will get tired, and you will hit a pace that you cannot sustain. But if you will commit today to send your strength to Joshua's who are in the field and to sacrificially give to missionaries who are keeping and taking territory for the kingdom of God, then I will do something for you. I will send you Aaron and hers to come alongside you. They will tell you to sit down and they will lift up your arms. I committed that day to do that and to make a long story longer. Uh, <laughs> then after that, we began to send strength. Three weeks later, I get a phone call from two businessmen in my church. They tell me they want to meet with me. I sit down. They start talking. Long story short, they paid off the church. The whole thing paid off. People come in here and they're like, how in the world do you do it, Pastor Joel? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you never take up an offering. There's no offering segment. You don't pass buckets. You don't even talk about it. Like, I don't have to. Somebody says, well, why don't you have to? Grace. There's a pool on this house. There's a pool. Uh, I don't have to push it. I don't have to manipulate it. There's a pool on this house. 
And out of that pool, it brings Aaron and hers who want to help it, who want to be generous to it. Moses didn't have to ask Aaron and her. They heard a clarion call, a, a call that connected them to him. And so the, the reason why word of life matters is not just for redigging the wells of the revelations that were given to generations before us. It is not just for establishing the kingdom of God that brings all nations, all people, all tribes together right in the center of Jackson, Mississippi. It is not just for our worship. It is not just for our child care. It is not just for all those things. The high calling of Jesus Christ on this church is for us to have all of those things to bring in enough strength so that we can send it to Joshua's in the field. And today, I actually have some of our Joshua's who we help empower, and they're going to come to the stage right now, and we'll close out the service this way, uh, but they're going to, to come to the stage right now, and I just want you to hear, like you heard from some of our members of when they partook of our values, what it did for them. Uh, but I don't want you to just partake in our values here as a church because of what it's going to do for you. I want you to partake of the values of this church because what it's going to do for them and for people like them. And I want you to hear what this church has meant to them. So ladies and gentlemen, can we give it up for Matt and Julie Beamer today? Good morning, Word of Life. What a blessing to be here this morning. We are Matt and Julie Beamer with Club 1040, and we have the privilege and the honor of being your Joshua's on the front line, coming back to give you a report of the amazing impact of what this church is doing in 22 nations of the world in the Middle East and North Africa. Yeah, so we have been on both sides of that strength equation. We have been on the side of... Uh, Matt and Julie Beamer, 20-some years in missions without the strength of Word of Life Church, and it was tough going. It was hard, and we've been on the other side of that strength equation with the life-giving uh, uh, grace that, that push and pull that Pastor talked about that is enabling incredible things to happen even in the midst of the craziness of this world. Club 1040 is doing amazing things. We, we train, we mobilize, and we inspire. And if you could just see what is happening all over the world. In fact, uh, Word of Life Worship, the worship group, is famous in North Africa and the Middle East. Did you know that? Because over 1.5 million people are hearing every month the message of faith with IP addresses just in Lebanon. Yeah, so as Julie said, we are operational in the Middle East and North Africa, and we can't talk about some of the specifics, but what I want you to see is this, is in this last year alone, after the August 4th blast in um, Beirut, Lebanon, that left 300,000 people without homes, and also destroyed three major hospitals, all the schools in that part of the city, as well as destroyed churches. Um, and so they weren't able to function. Because of your generosity here, it enabled eight churches to be repaired so that they can have services again. You, you fed 25,000 hot meals to people who didn't have any other way to eat. You provided 1,000 families with food for three months you also enabled a team who are just newly born again to broadcast throughout that particular region, that, that Middle East, North Africa region, 
um, uh, over the year, 1.5 million people heard a message because of your strength. It's amazing. I also want to let you know that because of your giving and, and what you're doing, you helped us not to have to take taxis all year. You helped us to have a vehicle. So I am personally grateful for that. Yeah, so to kind of bring it home is this, is what happens is God does, and that's why uh, Club 1040, we say, is a relational missionary movement reaching the unreached. And everything God does to fulfill his dream in the world to reach the unreached happens through relationship. You in relationship here with Word of Life and you bringing your supply of grace brings increase to the house and strength here. And when that can go to places like where we are at, it enables him to um, reach out to people who have never heard the name of Jesus even one time. In that part of the world, there's about 3 billion people who have been born, lived their whole life out, and never meet a believer like you. And in that place of the world, we're seeing churches started. You have sent six teams and of those six teams, those teams have sowed seeds that enabled a church to start on a particular border between two Middle Eastern countries, a different church to start on behalf on the border of two other Middle Eastern countries, and also helped us establish a church in Beirut that's reaching the city and the nation and around there. And as we look to the next 10 years, and this is really what your strength does, is it speeds up the return of Jesus. It speeds up the progress of the gospel. In fact, the things we're doing today, we only dreamed we could do maybe in four or five years where we have already seen come to pass because of you contributing of your strength. But the things that we see for the next 10 years, by 2030, all 22 nations of North Africa and the Middle East will have churches that your strength have planted. We'll also have Bible schools training leaders that will change those nations. So your strength will literally change that whole region of the world. It's kind of like the little boy that fell in the great big vat of chocolate. Tell us about that. He said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, please allow my ability to be equal to my opportunity. And you guys provide the ability. We've got a whole lot of opportunity to reach unreached people, and you're making it happen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Joel. God bless you. Isn't that awesome? And so that's the, the heartbeat of this house. Uh, it is to be a spirit-filled church that also reaches the lost, where we are, are coming into a place where we truly reach the lost, disciple the found, and empower the called. It's a very tricky place to be because it's easy to kind of sell out to one of those as a church, to be a church that just reaches the lost, or to be a church that just disciples the found, or to be a church that just empowers the called. We genuinely feel by God to be all three. Uh, but the only way for us to do this is for us to do it together. But I feel like if we could come together, we could do something together that we never could do apart. Um, and that in, in 10 years, uh, at the close of this decade, uh, I will be 47. I'm 37 today. My wife is 34. Uh, so out of that, we're far from our prime. I, I really sense as if as a, as a church, we're about to enter into something that is quite unique. Uh, but I, I, I really feel that if we could come and, and get together like never before, that we could do something amazing for Joshua's. 
And so today, what I want to ask you is to help us. You know, in, in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah has this big burning vision on his heart to do something for the kingdom of God. And you see him know that before I can do the what, I need the who. And so in this scenario, there are a whole bunch of people who were spectating the need. And they went from spectating to participating. And when they all got together, you see that the book of Nehemiah is called Nehemiah. But when you read Nehemiah chapter 3, you see all of these names and families taking on a part of the wall. And I'm so thankful we live in an age of internet church where you can spectate it. But I also know that in our southern culture, we have such a big sports culture, and I know that when you go to a game that you can, can see the difference between the spectators and the participators. That the spectators pay to watch the game. And so oftentimes in our uh, American culture, it's like I will watch a ministry online or I will come to a church and I will spectate it and then I'll send them some money and I'll spectate, I'll pay to watch the game and I'll help them so that others can watch, but that'll be the sum total of my Christianity. And I'm thankful when I go to a sporting event that I can pay to watch the game, and, and I am thankful for those who spectate this church, who come to it or who watch us online, who spectate and then help fund us so that we can help more Matt and Julie's and missionaries around the world as well as, you know, do things for our children and that kind of thing. But I also know that the players who are participating, uh, they get paid to be in the game. And the players who are participating in the game get to do something for the people that adds value to their lives and gives them so oftentimes an escape. And what we are doing is more than just giving people a natural escape. There are, are hundreds of people uh, this year alone who have found heaven because of this ministry. But I believe by the, the end of our lifetimes together, there can be millions all over the world who have found the escape of Jesus and found the escape of heaven. Not just because of the messages that we preached and the things that we did, but because of the people that we empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, by sending resources targeted there are one billion people today, one billion people in the world who do not have a Bible written in a language that they can read. We want to fix that. We want to end that by our lifetime. We want to come through and make sure that over three billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus hear the name of Jesus. We want to be the generation that brings Jesus back. And when Jesus comes back, I want to cast my crown at his feet and say that I did more than just watch church. I was a part of the church. I was the hands and feet of the church. I greeted at the door. I 
served in the parking lot. I came and I fed the homeless. I didn't just give money to the homeless. I gave time to the homeless. I didn't just fund a mission trip. I went on a mission trip. I didn't just read a book. I wrote a book. I didn't just hear a message. I preached a message. I didn't just watch someone come to Christ. I led someone to Christ. That God, I did not just spectate in my Christianity. I participated in my Christianity. And God says, I know, I know that there were rewards for participation in that life, but you have never even begun to see the rewards for your participation in this life. And we have all of these crowns and we say, Lord, I don't even want the reward. I did it all for your name. I did it all for your kingdom. I did it all for your glory. And we cast our crowns down at his feet. That's our future. That's our future, and I want to encourage you to help us. If the Lord leads you to, if not, find a church that you can help in. Find a church that you do believe in. If the Lord has, has, has not led you here, that is okay. You don't have to give one penny here. But if there is a divine connection to this place, I'm not asking for your money, I'm asking for you. I'm asking you this question, that if every member of this church was like you, what kind of church would we have? How many people would be in community? How many people would be served? How many people would be helped? How many people would be ministered to? And I know that we have just come out of a season in COVID where we have spectated church out of absolute force that, you know, we couldn't help it. We we had to be spectated. But now's the time for us to see that the day is changing. A new season is coming. Light is breaking forth. And revival's going to come to our churches. Revival's going to come to our nations. Revival is going to come to our city. Revival is going to come to Jackson. Revival is going to come to Ridgeland. Revival is going to come to Madison. Revival is going to come to Flowood. It's going to come to Morton. It's going to come to D'Lo. It's going to come to every nook and cranny. Mississippi revival is going to come I believe that I believe weeping has endured long enough joy is coming in the morning that Satan thought that we were buried but he didn't know we were planted and God's about to break out like never before and I want to call you alongside of it what makes word of life word of life is not me it's us all of us coming together. And so I'm asking you, if you feel so led, would you help us build something that only God could do through unity? Let me pray for you. Everybody, every eye closed, I'm gonna invite Ryan, the campus pastor there, our church in Highland Colony to come and close out the service. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Now, it would be easy for me to just tie this over into the bricklayer thing and to ask you to make a commitment to the church. But I don't believe in manipulation and I don't believe in emotional decisions. So instead of asking a decision for that, I want to ask you to pray about it and do whatever God leads you to do with the the card. I've got a more important priority and I know that there are people here who may be here for the first time in a long time and there are people here maybe you came into this place and 
you need to make a decision for Jesus. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, look, I'm coming out of, I know for, for so many of you, it was a very stressful time. For so many of you, it was a very dark time, but you want to come out and just surrender to Jesus. And like a little shoot from a seed breaking out of that ground, you want to have like a little spring of life shoot up out of you now and say, God, I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for something fresh. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to be with you. And if that's you, sin will never hold you back from that. The only thing that will will is pride. Pride won't surrender. I don't care what sin you've done, Jesus will forgive you. I don't care how bad you've been, Jesus will forgive you. I don't care how many mistakes you made, how ugly you've been, how nasty you've been, how much regret you have, Jesus will forgive you. He doesn't need your perfection. He only needs your surrender. And if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Joel, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Maybe it's for the first time, maybe it's for the thousandth time, but you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If that's you from the front to the back to online in your living room, if that's you, I want you to do something right now before the eyes of Jesus. I want you to just lift a hand to him all over this place, all over this room, right there in your home. Just lift up a hand. I see hands going up. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Anybody else? We'll wait for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, everybody in here, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe not only did he die, but on the third day, he rose again from the grave. Jesus, though my sins were red like scarlet, your blood has washed me and made me whiter than snow. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my will to you. And I say, Heavenly Father, have your way in my life. Jesus, you are my Lord. And I believe with every fiber of my being, I believe my best days are starting right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate everyone who made a decision today? Oh, come on, you knew better than that. Somebody made a decision for Jesus.